0: Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. As you can tell from my voice, I'm still getting over a bit of a cough. So this is just how it is right now. When you do a daily podcast and you are you talk for your profession <laughs> all the time, it's bound to catch up. And I'm on a bit of uh, some medication. So hopefully this will subside soon and we can all be back to normal soon. So today's guest, I'm really, really excited about today's guest. Her name is Malik Teal. And before I get into gushing, about her. I just want to say that I have a little secret. Um, It's not that big of a secret, but a little lesser known fact about me is that I actually have naturally uh, sort of curlier hair. It's not super curly, but it's definitely not straight and it's wavy. And when I was even younger, it was a lot curlier. And for me, my hair is, and there's a point to this story, my hair is a, a bit of a beauty pain point. And uh, for me, it's just one of those things where it's it's just a source of exhaustion a lot of days. A lot of times if you see me, I got my hair up in a ponytail unless I have to be on camera and then I have someone else, uh, luckily, who will probably do my hair for me. But hair is a big business, as you may have figured out already. Uh, there are a lot of women out there, and men of course, but mainly women who Have a rough time finding the right kinds of products, the right kinds of solutions and treatments and styles for their hair, and not have this have it be this huge time consuming thing, this very expensive thing. And so that's where my guest comes in. My leek teal is revolutionizing the world for women who have particularly curly hair. She founded a company called Curl Box. It's an exclusive and affordable monthly subscription box that has amazing hair care products for women with curly hair. And it's a small, big idea that lets women try travel and sample-sized hair products before actually making the purchase and investing in a full-size bottle. Because, you know, you're the last one who's come home with a product that sounds great, and then you put it in your hair, and it's anything but... And you've spent, you know, $30. Curlbox has major partnerships with brands and distributors, including Procter & Gamble, Walmart, Target, Shea Moisture. The list goes on. The company has over 200,000 Instagram followers. And my leak even created a web series called Curlbox TV, which gives her viewers a behind the scenes look at their favorite hair care brand. So she really knows marketing like nobody else. It's, this is her business and she does it very well. In fact, she's quite the, uh, social media queen. She's got tons for herself, tons and tons of followers on Instagram. Behind the business, which is, as I said, very profitable and successful, is a personal story, and that's where our interview with MyLeak begins, who, by the way, is only in her early 30s, and she's got quite the journey to share with us. We learn why she decided to leave her job in public relations with just $7,000 in her wallet. She bootstrapped her way to becoming a successful businesswoman, and the journey even includes a brief stint in jail. Mm-hmm. We talk about my league's struggles with actually enjoying her success and her wealth at times. She admits this is not something that comes easy, and the challenges of being a successful rich woman when it comes to dating men in particular. Uh, she's with a great, great guy now, she says, but it hasn't always been so simple. And of course, this is this is where I come in because I've got a bl- bit of a insight on how when she makes more, how she makes it work in her marriage and her relationship and all, all of that good stuff. So just want to give you a little heads up about two things. I'm still, as I said, under the weather, so my voice is kind of graspy during this interview, but probably more annoyingly, and I'm very sorry for this. You know, I'm on an antibiotic and I haven't been sleeping much because my son's had an ear infection and pink eye for the last few days. So mom hasn't been getting a lot of sleep. And as a result, when I hit record on this interview, I realized later in the interview that I hadn't hooked up my microphone to the laptop. So it's not like I'm inaudible and it's not, um, it's not tolerable, but it's just a little different. You'll hear that my voice is a little spacey. Uh, I do realize it midway through and plug in the microphone sneakily. And so you'll notice an improvement in my audio about 15 minutes into the interview. So just wanted to let you know that I knew this was happening and be open and honest about that and apologize in advance. But I think it's still it's still good. And this interview is really juicy. So without further ado, here's my guest, leak Teal. Malik Teal. Welcome to So Money. I have such a girl crush on you. I'm so excited for you to be on the show and sharing all of your experiences with us. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've been hearing about the So Money podcast and everyone saying you should be on there. So I'm so happy to finally be here. All right. The stars have (laughs) aligned. Yes. Um,
0: So truth be told, I've been cyber stalking you and (laughs) it's not hard to. You have a huge, huge presence online. You're such a... uh, you connect so authentically with your followers, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter. And thank you for the shout out to when she makes more on Instagram. Do you know what I got? I got like a hundred Instagram followers that day.
1: Awesome. I didn't even, (laughs) once I looked you up after Jess did the intro and then I saw that you had that book and I was like, Oh my God, because when you are a woman that makes money, it's tricky. And I'm like, someone wrote a book about this? Mm-hmm. I was thrilled. And I have it. It's on my nightstand right now. Oh, my gosh.
0: If I had known that you are such a, a needle mover when it comes to books, <laughs> I would have been like, I don't want to be on the Today Show. I'll just be on my Leek's Instagram <laughs> page. Um yeah. And by the way, guys listening and gals, uh, Jess Lively is who we're talking about. Jess Lively is a podcast host. Check out her show, The Lively Show. My leak was on her podcast not too long ago. Listen to that episode. And I was on Jess's epi- Jess's podcast as well. And that's how the two of us connected. So a little backstory there. But my leak, your story is so amazing. I want to, I want to share a little bit about Curlbox, of course, with our listeners. But before we get to the business, I want to, um, just, uh, say that as I was cyber stalking you online, I got a little uh, overview of your journey. So I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but going back to uh, before you started Curlbox, which is a very successful monthly online subscription, uh, providing women of color, uh, various hair products, because we know that they have all different hair care needs and you really simplify it for them. But before you started the genius that is Curlbox, you were working in PR, you quit your job in your 20s, you moved yep. to Atlanta for a guy, yes, whom you're no longer with, correct, um, and you uh so you were jobless and yes. only had about $7,000 in your bank account. Yep. You decided to just do you went a couple months without finding work, so you were like, I'll just babysit, which you know what? <laughs> That's what I knew. I wanted to talk to you so bad because I babysat too in my twenties to make ends meet. And there is yep. no shame. No, no shame. You went to jail also for 24 <laughs> hours. Yes, yes <laughs> no, that's, so not, that's not funny, but I just right. like right. so many different things happened to you. Story. And then we fast forward to Curlbox, which is now this very profitable, uh, business. You have a tremendous following online. So let's fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. I gave a very fast forwarded story of events. But if you could take us back to when you quit your job in PR, what made you want to quit? And then share a little bit about the emotional, I think the emotional up and down that you went through to start Curlbox and why Curlbox. So just fill in those blanks a little bit. I gave a very uh, fast and loose uh, summary, but take us back and and give us some of the specifics of that timeframe.
1: Absolutely. Um, I was one of those late college bloomers. I went to three different universities because I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, where I was going to go. So I started off in D.C. at Howard University and ended up finishing at San Francisco State. I moved back home and I just still didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I kind of got into the PR, marketing, entertainment. I mean, in L.A., it's, it's a no brainer. And I was working all the time. Like, you know, it's just nonstop. You have no life. And I was working for Travis Barker. I left my firm, my agency, and I went to go work for Travis Barker. And I don't know if you're familiar with the plane crash that he had in South Carolina. Yes. And the there were four people total that died on that plane. But there was one person that I shared a desk with every single day. Um, that died in that plane crash. And I had just had a conversation with him literally like the week before. Now, his brother died in a motorcycle accident the week before, and then he died a week later. And I had just had that conversation with him because he was so down. I was like, you have to live your life. You know, I'm having this conversation with him about how you're working for others and you're giving everything that you have to someone else. But what about you? you? He was so good. And when he died in that crash, his best friend called me at 4 a.m. because he didn't want me to turn the news on and and get this. And so he kept calling my phone and and he told me. And I never went back to work after that. I have never had a formal job since then. And it was almost like something kept saying, how many times are you going to tell someone else what they should be doing with their life and following their heart and their dreams? And how many funerals are you going to sit at? you know, and let another person be eulogized and you not do what you should be doing. And then that thing pops in your head, but like, but what about money? You know, I can't do it because I need money. And then I just, I thought about how much money do I really need? And I was naive enough to think that $7,000 was enough. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, I cashed. I had my 401k and I don't even know how I managed to save that much money because my first job out of college, my very first job out of college was part time. I made 10 grand for the year. I know this because I had my taxes done. (laughs) And the next second year I switched jobs and I made twenty six thousand dollars. And then after that, I think I got up to like 30 or 35. But I still managed to have that amount of money saved over those couple of years just so, a
0: testament to the 401k, right? Yes. I mean, that's a powerful thing.
1: Yes, yes. And so moved to Atlanta with a brand new Volvo, which sucked up that $7,000 because, you know, with the note, my insurance went up because Atlanta, the insurance here is a fortune because of the number of accidents. I'm not going to say whether or not I think people can drive here. Um, so... Everything the money was gone before I knew it. You know, it was gone, and that's when I got on Care. dot com and decided, you know what, if I have to water plants, babysit, you know, walk dogs, I it w- and it was the height of the recession. No one would hire me, and so I was like, I have to to do what I know how to do, and that's just use my body and do something. Mm-hmm. So I did. So
0: your friend's passing. Mm-hmm. Was this was this really kind of light bulb moment for you to realize I need to seize my life, take control yes. of my life, stop living? You know, I just had Daphne Oz on the show. Daphne is the uh, co-host on The Chew, doc- daughter of Dr. Oz. And she says, I was living this placeholder life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we can re- all relate to that. It's like sometimes you feel like you're living this life that, you know, one day when right. I have the house and one day when I have the job that I want, well, why can't one day be today? Right. And so you moved to Atlanta, you used up all that money before you even got there, decided to babysit, which is totally
1: respectable. And then where did you go from there? So you're babysitting and then... I was assisting. Actually, Mm -hmm. I was working, when I was on that website, one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, Kim... Um, the blonde one that was dating Big Papa at the time. I don't know if you watched that. (laughs) Nice. She she was on that site too, looking for help, just any kind of like personal assistant help. So she called me on Valentine's Day. I never forgot that. And she invited me to her house for an interview and she gave me a hundred bucks on the interview. And I was like, girl, I am here. I am here for you. And so I started just helping her out in her life. And I was actually on the show, the second season, just... I'm very sort of like organized and resourceful, and so I was able to help her out with a lot of things. And while I was helping her, Mm -hmm. is when um, when I was on the show, I just I sort of just vanished from L.A. People didn't even know where I went. And then when they saw me on the show, a lot of my work PR friends were like, "You're in Atlanta? Just saw you on the show." (laughs) And so then they started. You're an extra on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, right? Right. And so they started sending me um, sort of local PR work. So I started doing, picking up, um, freelance work. And then that, that work started to pick up so much that I just stopped working with Kim on Real Housewives. And then that's when I started freelancing some music festivals and different things that came through Atlanta or down in Miami. Um, and that kind of like led me to starting, what was my very first business, which was Artifacts PR, which I worked on some um, some beauty brands, some apps, and just, you know, whatever people needed my help with uh, after they found out where I was, that was when I, I transitioned out of that into doing Artifacts. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? I feel like it. I think so. You know, growing up, my mom said that I used to look around at people, so I didn't grow up with a lot. I never felt poor, but I think that now that I have a bit more money, I probably was, um, but my mom says, "When since you could talk, you look around and mom, what, do, what does she do? What do they do? You know, I think that I would look at the things that people had and wonder, what did they have to do to get them?"
0: So, CurlBox is genius because, Thank you. as you've mentioned and pointed out, um, women of color spend more money on hair treatment and hair care than any other demographic. Mm-hmm. So, clearly, a, a market. Yeah, But how do you differentiate yourself? There's so many, first of all, there's so many products out there, but then also I feel like the subscriptions, monthly subscription box, you know, service thingy is like, there's so many of them. Yes. It was such a fad almost. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a subscription for literally everything. Yeah. Um, So how did you differentiate yourself in the beginning and how do you continue to claim your
1: stake in the marketplace? Um, when we started, I, the business is almost four years old. So you think this was maybe four and a half, five years ago that I even started working on the idea. And I unders, I think that because I am my customer, I really understand what's needed. You know, it's not, it's, we do really well because of the way that we sample. If you look at our boxes, they're mostly full size product because the reason why we consume so much is that we don't use a little packet of product. So we need to, when we're trying it, we need a lot. So I always made sure that the samples were generous. And then I always make sure that, um, when I work with brands, they, that there's some added value and that they are kind of like buttering my girls up. You know, I feel like all of the, every time I, I don't know if you know this about my business, but you can only become a member once a month. So if you wanted to go online and become a Box member today, you cannot. Mm, so that's smart. You, you create this like sense of scarcity. Yes. And it's not because I'm it's it is true. It is scarce and it is scarce because it is taking com- taking companies a really long time to understand how to market to us. I know how to market to us. They don't really understand. And so I had to. I had to do and I still have to do a lot of work to tell brands why, you know, the photos that we use, like why everything we do really works. And so, you know, I think that I just stay ahead by, I am my customer and I know how tricky and how hard this is. And so I know what's going to work. And it's not a, this is not a, I don't do it for the money. You know, I'm very lucky that I am able to get paid to do this, but I would do it for nothing because I really love it. Like, I really love being able to choose, you know, the models that go with every box and just the different products that we use. Or Like when I score, like we have some really phenomenal boxes coming up this fall that I know for a fact that no one, no single box is going to be able to sample these, you know? Hmm. So there are some brands that only work with us. And that's our advantage.
0: Yeah, it's smart. Yeah, you, you definitely create this sense of exclusivity from whether you're a client or not a client mm-hmm. but a customer, very VIP experience, to even the ones, the companies that are that are partnering with you. Yes. You say that you're not in this for the money. You're really following your passion. But listen, it's okay to want to do it for the money too. You're profitable. That's smart. You know, you're a smart businesswoman. You're savvy. You have to sort of think about the bottom line too, right? Let's be honest. Absolutely, listen, I
1: like money. <laughs> I like money thank you. I like having a lot of it, and I get excited. um I get excited when I make big deals, you know, and I make some pretty big deals, but you know I just i, I don't I, I should say that I'm not motivated by the money. that's probably better. that's mm. a better, better said. The money doesn't motivate me, but i do I don't mind it at all.
0: All right, everyone. So check out CurlBox. You know, I am not a woman of color, although for years I thought I was because (laughs) I don't consider myself a white girl. Okay, Um, I'm a Middle Eastern woman, and and so when I would like think of when I would check off those like boxes on college applications, I would always Mm -hmm. check out other. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Little did I know I was Caucasian all this time. Oh, my gosh, um, right. Because like- also my hair is the biggest pain point. I think my, my mm-hmm. biggest beauty pain point, my hair, folks, does not always look straight and gorgeous, even though all my headshots look like that. But uh, it, I wake up in the morning and I have to, like, decide whether I'm going to blow dry my hair today or just put it up in a ponytail. Most days it's in a ponytail because I cannot deal with my hair. Like, it just takes me too long. Yeah. Um, and then professional services, like, Okay, am I going to go spend $80 to blow out my hair every
1: day? No. That and and you, you can relate. I mean, I think for most women of color or African-American women, that's the thing is that our hair is our pain point most of the time. And what are we going to do? What's going to work? How long is it going to last? When is it going to stop working? You know? Absolutely. It never ends. It never
0: ends. Well, let's talk about a little bit more about my leaks money mindset. Because yes. that's also why I wanted to have you on this show. If you if you had to summarize your money mantra in one in one gulp, what would it be?
1: My money mantra in one gulp is: if you can't buy it twice, you can't afford it. Hmm. Tell me more
0: about this because I feel like <laughs> I I definitely have stretched myself to where I can only buy
1: one. <laughs> not two. And me too. Right. I'm buying a new house and I can't buy two. But I think that when I think about the day to day, my day to day things or the kind of, you know, non necessities, I should say, um, that's kind of how I, that's my approach to things. And so when I first started making a little bit more money, I, I would feel the need. Like, I remember, I'll tell you when I first started Curlbox and I was setting all these goals, my uh, subscription goals and I have financial goals and I'm like if I hit this goal I'm going to go get a Chanel purse I don't know why I just wanted that and that was like in my mind I felt like the more I make the large the bigger purchases I should be making and so I even went and did all the research went to Saks I think the purse that I wanted was like ten thousand dollars and I'm like okay yeah I can you know I'm gonna have ten thousand dollars to get this and I don't know. I, I hit the goal. I had the money saved. I the day that I hit the goal, I walked into Chanel to get the purse and I just couldn't do it. You know, I <laughs> couldn't do it. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't know what is what am I doing? Why was this so serious to me? Mm-hmm. You know? And um I decided to not get the Chanel bag, but still reward myself with a nice bag. I ended up getting a Prada bag that was about $1,200. And look, I mean, I could have gotten at least nine bags or eight bags, you know? And, and, And then after that, I was even still like, why is this so important to me? And so after I talked with my accountant about this, like how emotional I was, like, why is it that every time I hit this financial goal, I feel like when I hit this, I need to go spend a fraction of it on something stupid,
0: you know? I can completely relate. <laughs> I, I still to this day can't bring myself to buy anything from Chanel. Um <laughs> And I, you know, I wanted all of that stuff when I was in my 20s and poor. Yes. And eating tuna fish out of a can. I wanted all of the bags. But now that I have the money, I would rather spend that money on a piece of artwork or a home renovation project. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, folks, that's how much a Chanel bag costs. (laughs) Um, It's kind of ridiculous. And so you really, I think that when you start to work hard for your money and the money starts coming in, I think you start to realize what you actually want Mm -hmm. out of life and what your values are in a, in a, in a bigger way. So see, I told you, told you we were, we were meant to be friends. Um, (laughs) what would you say is your biggest money moment growing up as a kid? Uh, you already shared a little bit about your mom and growing up not with not a lot of money, but what would you say was a defining money moment as a kid growing up?
1: I think that like I was explaining a little bit earlier that, you know, I would look around at what people were doing to try to see how they were living these lives. I mean, you can look at people's cars, like they look neater, they look polished. And, um, I I began to learn at a really young age that they were either experts at something, um, they were professionals and they were usually experts. So from the time I was a young kid, I just knew like, I've got to be a master of something, you know, I have to become a professional expert. And so that has always been in the back of my mind um through school. I mean as a young adult of like I want to be great at something, at one thing and be known for it. Who are your role models? My role models in <laughs> I'm probably like every young black girl. I mean, Oprah, I know this sounds crazy because <laughs> I've never she was met one of my role models too. I mean. Yeah. You know, I used to schedule my college classes around the Oprah Winfrey show. And I think like once I discovered it, I would look at Oprah and say, you know what? Like, she's not a supermodel. She's Brown just like me. And she has like, you know, some African features and she's sometimes a little quirky and weird. And she cries and She, and this is like, even before I knew how financially successful she was, you know, I think I I began to understand when she would have guests on there and everybody started teasing her about being like super rich. But I think when she was like young, I was like, wow, I just wish I could, I just wish that I could like live my truth out loud like that, you know? And so I really looked up to her for a really long time.
0: I I'm still like, do. I still do. Yeah. Um, I met yeah. Stedman one time at a, a <laughs> conference. We were both He's speaking. Cute. He's so cute. <laughs> um, I so desperately wanted to get like, give him one of my books to be like, can you, can you give this to Oprah, please? Right. Exo Farnoosh. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I respected him too much. And you know what he said though during his speech? He said, you can't be dating Oprah and not know what you're, what you're like, what as a man, you can't be dating Oprah and not have a plan. Woo. And I thought, yes, that's so true. Cause he, re, he was inspired by Oprah to get his masters and create, okay. become entrepreneurial. And, and he was a corrections officer for like before he met Oprah, but, okay. um, but always ambitious. But I think being with Oprah made him a lot more. Uh, a lot more ambitious. Let's just put it that way.
1: I think so. When you get with someone who, and that's been my struggle, that's why I really was in, I loved your book, like just how do I connect with someone or relate? Because I think when you are financially successful, people think you don't have any needs. And it's like, yeah, I do actually, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So... Mm, that's good. All right, let's talk about failure, my leak. Okay, um, my favorite thing. <laughs> Okay,
0: we, we didn't go to, we didn't actually, I, I teased this, and I didn't, I, I feel like we should talk about this just a little bit, but it was the jail thing. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm sorry I'm laughing, because I know really why you went to jail. That it was stressful. <laughs> that it, Yeah, That it, and it wasn't like, it was a DUI,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and you had to spend 24 hours in jail, right?
1: Yep. How was that? You know, it was not. I shouldn't. The thing was, is that I'm glad that it happened because, and it happened so early before I became like uh, way successful because I think that money kind of makes you in, feel invincible in a lot of ways and it gives you like access and privileges. And I just was like, had I gone any farther, kind of doing like, I guess when they always when they say drink responsibly, I don't know that any of us really know what that means because it's like, is that one drink? Is that two drinks? I feel fine. You you you're likely gonna always think you feel fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but it was terrible. It was it was horrible. You're I was I never got like past the um holding cell or anything like that, but you're cramped into this room with like benches the size of like pencils. So you're sitting on there for hours unless you stand. There's one toilet and like a constant flow of all kinds of people. You know, I met everyone from like, like soccer moms that got, were there for speeding over the limit to, you know, um, meth dealers and oh. like sex people, prostitutes. I mean, it's just that thing where you like, holy, you know? Um, so it was eye opening. And then also just understanding that it's designed to break people, you know, like people were being so mean to me and I'm like, why are you being so mean? Relax. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like, you just, they're just naturally, okay, you broke the law, whether you stole a pencil or you killed somebody, everybody's gets treated the same. Wow. Yikes. You know? yikes, yeah. yikes. Yeah. 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 Um,
0: well, f- switching gears a little bit financially, <laughs> what would you say is your biggest
1: failure? I thought about that I was like because I'm so financially my biggest failure I'm pretty I'm pretty frugal for the most part and smart with my money but I try to think about what is some of the dumbest things I've ever done and I would probably say I went through a, a jewelry period I went through a period of buying really nice jewelry that consistently broke and fell off <laughs> What? I'm talking about, (laughs) yes. And I, I, you know, I'm really hard on jewelry, I guess I now learned. And so I would buy like really, you know, necklaces, gold and diamonds and this kind of stuff. And it just would constantly, I can't even tell you how much jewelry I've lost. And so now I'm like, you know, what? I'm back to I'm back to fake jewelry because that was dumb, you know? hmm. Costume jewelry. I like Stella yes. Dot. Have you ever been on Stella Dot? I have. And, Dot? and <laughs> Stella and Dot is so awesome. Their packaging is incredible. You order something from them and you just feel so pretty. I know. No matter what it is. So I do costume. I'll do Maywell. I still have a, I still have like three things left. I have like a necklace or two and a, and a pair of earrings left. Um, like I bought these diamond and gold, um, hoops that I don't even, maybe, I think they were probably like $6,000 that I, that I still have. That's all I have left. So I'm done.
0: Well, you know, Hey, buying a few pieces of bad jewelry in the grand (laughs) scheme of life is not that big of a financial fail, but, um,
1: yeah, no, I've not really ever had that much money to, for a long time in my life, I didn't have enough to fail with, you know, and so I think that because I had so little, that when I finally got some, I'm so cautious. Um, My therapist, I go to psychotherapy. My therapist says, like, I think you're afraid to fully be happy or to not worry, you know, and so that's something that I personally struggle with. Is that I'm definitely, while some people get this money and they just start going crazy and like, you know, let's do buy this, I'm like, oh my god. Have you ever read Brene Brown? Work. Yes.
0: Yeah. She she was on Oprah um, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. a lot,
0: and and mm-hmm. one of the, her I can't I, I can't remember the exact quote, but she said something like more or less that being happy is mm-hmm. is for a lot of people the scariest thing. Yeah. Like truly being happy, because when you're truly happy, you have to be really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, why is it that for example, you're looking I have a 1-year-old son. So sometimes I'm he's asleep and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, I could never love anybody more than you. Like you, mm-hmm. you the amount of love you have for your child is immeasurable. And and um the next almost almost always the next feeling that I feel mm-hmm. is fear. Yep. Because I fear that oh my gosh, if something ever happened to him or if he ever gets yep. sick. And so uh her life is devoted to teaching people how to how to avoid feeling that way because the last thing you want because when you're on your dying day you don't want to look back and go I'm glad I was scared my entire life you know you mm-hmm. want to say I want to lean into those moments and be able to relish them more and even if it's scary even if even if it's really vulnerable of you that you should you should practice that more and be more conscious when that, when those things happen i think that was really profound
1: You know what? And this is the thing I tell my therapist. I know this. I've read it and I know it, but it's like this thing of, like I told her, I just bought a new house and I just bought a new beautiful home. It's four stories, almost 4,000 square feet. There's an elevator in it, three patios, humongous kitchen, dining rooms, this, this. And it's, I can't get excited because you know what I keep thinking? Someone's not going to like me for doing this. It's bizarre because hmm. you see what I preach on my Instagram. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. But somewhere there's a guilt that I have about what I have accomplished. I truly feel guilty a lot of times, but I'm working on it. Um, I'm going to try. I told her that I'm going to try, but it is true. It's hard for me to... I'll, but I'll do it, you know, like I'm moving out of my place. I live in a two bedroom, kind of like nicer apartment. But I was like, My week, you can't stay small because you're scared, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not, I'm acknowledging the fear, but I'm doing it anyway. So I'm letting you know, yes, I am moving into a really big, nice house, but I am very afraid, but I'm doing it anyway.
0: Barbara Stanney was a guest on my show and she talks about this too, is like women, especially we have a fear of, uh, owning what we're worth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, um, but she said what is probably the most amazing thing that can happen with money is to put it in the hands of a woman mm-hmm. because when women inherit wealth and when women earn their wealth, <clears throat> they the world becomes a better place, she believes, yes. and we see as, as a money as a way to have power to heal and power to change and power yes. to improve and power to help people. And so remind yourself of that, you know, and and help use that reality and truth, truism to to encourage you to earn as much as you can and earn as much as you want and spend as you want and save as you want, because it's a, it's a good thing. It's a a good thing. And they're always going to be haters. Who cares?
1: Right. Absolutely. Always.
0: What would you say is your number one money moment? Your so money moment? Buying the house?
1: I think so. You know, I, I, I would say, I would say so. Like I don't, um, Arneesh, I don't know that I grew up in a 750 square foot apartment. I never had my own bedroom. Never. Um, I only got my own bedroom when I broke up with that guy and I moved out on my own, but until then I had not like really didn't have anything. And, um, I, I found this house on accident. So I was looking for a house a little bit lower than my budget because that's how we are, right? The accountant says, you know, this is your budget. So I go under and I found a really nice house under my budget, but it was a brand new house. So the, the GPS dumps me in the middle of the street. So I just start driving and I'm like, I drive into this beautiful gated community and I'm like, oh, this must be it. So I go and I look at this house and I just fall in love and I'm like, wow. And because I've never bought a home before, I didn't know that this was not, uh, the price point of the house that I was looking for. And so I fall in love. The lady hands me all the paperwork on the house. I don't even look at it because I'm like, Oh, this is going to be so great. I get home and I flip it over and it is about 300,000 more dollars than what I was the other house. And, um, talk to my accountant, talk to my wealth manager, because I do have those. And they were like, well, you can afford it. And it was almost like this sort of overwhelming, tearful moment that like I can have what I want, you know? I can really have what I want and no one has to help me. And so, yes, you know, it's scary, um, but it is a so money like I can go out and buy exactly what I want.
0: Mm.
1: And Congratulations. So, That's thank awesome. You. That is great. virtual high five. Virtual <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know people see that I met some of my neighbors because it's a brand new um it's a brand new uh, subdivision in Atlanta and Buckhead and I met some of the neighbors and so all of my neighbors are like late 40s, 50, 60 couples. And so they're like you're you're the baby <laughs> of the neighborhood. <laughs> like there's no single person like, and you're thir- like in your third, like you're in thirties, so I'm excited to 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 get over there, and it's just so beautiful. And I told my accountant when I took him to see it, I was like, it's going to be hard for me to have a bad day in this house.
0: So, question for you, because I'm you know I'm super nerdy about this stuff, and I write about this. Uh-huh. How is the dating been? <clears throat> Do you bring guys back to your four story house? Um, ah! I know I asked this. You know why I asked this, right? Because some guys would look at that and go, okay. I have if she if she how am I gonna how am I gonna support this because guys want to support guys want to help guys want to be your hero they want to be your man Um, and sometimes this can be very off putting maybe a sign that he's not the right guy for you but um, have you have you encountered this
1: Oh my god you know it's um, what's so funny is that I was talking with Jess and I was dating someone else in that podcast and so he has since been. (laughs) released, Um, (laughs) unleashed. (laughs) Right. But you know, um, it is hard and I'm dating someone new now who I am like completely obsessed with because they are passionate and they have like their own lane and they, they're very busy and they, they work a lot and they travel a lot. So they understand, but it's very hard for me. And he said this to me, he was like, you talk about money a lot. And it was like, I didn't realize I was doing it because I try to like start saying things before you, because the place that, don't get me wrong, I live in a two bedroom place now, but it's three stories. My place is gorgeous. And so it's just this thing of like, I'm trying to like warm you up to what I really have and what I'm able to do because I don't want to scare you you know, I don't want to scare you because I have had people do that. Like they walk in and they're like, Oh my God. Or, you know, if you say, Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I I want to go to Mexico this weekend. I'm, I'm just going to go, you know, I, people, there are people who don't, who aren't able to do that. So right. it's very hard. And I have found that like sometimes guys, um, there are some guys that they want to, for you to take care of them. Um, they don't want to nurture you because some people have this belief that money is all you need. If you have money, then you have no needs. Right. right. You know? And it's like, actually I, I have needs. And so, um, I think that I have, like, I met someone who I don't think is, you know, like he walked in my place. He's like, wow, this is gorgeous. And then Ah, I was good sign. Good sign. Yeah. But it wasn't like, there's the other side of like, so how much was this? Like I have this, um, Bang an Olufsen stereo thing, and it's like, well, how much was this? It's like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: and and people, I don't think they realize how uncomfortable they make you when they constantly talk about what you have. Yes,
0: yes. So, yeah, try to remember that you're just a man and a woman in a relationship, and that money is just a means to an end. It is. Um. And and uh, and that you know, really, what it what it reflects is that you are a hard worker. Right. And that you are enjoying your life. And so what a great person to spend time with. Anywho. Yes. I agree. Um, yeah. You're preaching. I guess I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, what is your number one money habit, my leak?
1: My number one money habit is probably twofold. One is that I check my accounts and I check um, receipts You know, like if I go to a hotel, they, oh, we'll email you the receipt. No, let's look at it. You know, because I think, (laughs) (laughs) because I I think that, you know, sometimes people think that you don't care or you won't look at it. And there are times when I feel like, oh, I've been a bad girl that I don't want to look at it, but it's just like forcing myself to look at my numbers each day and scrutinize them because People will people will try to get over on you all the time. It is a gross, disgusting thing. But I have been double charged. Mm-hmm. I have had people charge me more because they think I have it. You know, I'm like, well, what does this cost? You know, and my my least favorite thing is what's your budget? Don't worry about my budget. What do you charge?
0: Oh, oh man, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a service out there called BillGuard. Mm -hmm. it's free up to it. Like I think you can hook up three of your different credit cards and debit cards to it Mm -hmm. and they will alert you when there's a double charge or when there's a suspicious charge or when there's like anything out of the ordinary that happens on your card. And actually they have caught some double charges Mm -hmm. um, and, and things that like, I just know I didn't buy that might be a sign (laughs) of fraud. So, Mm Anyway, if you're listening and you're wondering, yeah, I'm pissed about this too. How do I make sure this doesn't happen to me? BillGuard. BillGuard's free app. Yeah. Um, All right, Miley, you've been so much fun. Let's do some so money fill in the blanks. Okay. And uh, have some fun here. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is?
1: If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is plan to take one year off of work and travel the world.
0: Whoa. So you wouldn't work. How would that even work?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do you have a team in place? I do. I do. I have a team in place, but you know what? This is going to sound crazy as as can be. And I'm probably only saying this because I don't play the lottery, but like, I think that if I got to that place where I was trying to like win money, like win a lot for a little, because I know that hard work is how you make money. But if I was going to take that risk, why not just say screw it all? and just go away I do in, in, in my fantasy life I don't want to work I want to travel the world and live kind of like a gypsy and if I could afford to do that I would I my wealth manager I always say to him how much money do I need to retire
0: <laughs> what does he tell you
1: well, he said, "Well, if you want to live a lifestyle of about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, I think he said, he's like you need to save up three million, and then you could get like a your a monthly interest check would be the equivalent of about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. But I think based on kind of how I would want to live, I think I need to save five million. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I want a hundred million, and if I want the lottery, I'd put that to get that going, and then I would take off." bye-bye
0: 4,000 square foot (laughs) four-story house (laughs) I'm out of here (laughs) Um,
1: well
0: the one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is
1: the one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is actually help you know I have a housekeeper so I've never like used my washing machine I hate laundry like hate it so uh, spending money to have, um, people support me or help me in my life. Like, um, what is the, my favorite grocery thing, Instacart, like anything that takes away domestic duties. I yes. love. Amen. <laughs> I dedicate a whole chapter to this. Yeah, in my last. Anything book. that yeah. says bye-bye laundry, bye-bye dishes, mm-hmm. bye-bye grocery shopping. Uh, I'll take it. And now, fortunately there's an app for everything. So yes, there's an app
0: for that. <laughs> Wha- what is your guilty pleasure? one thing that you spend on that, um, you are totally, uh, you splurge on it, but it's, you know what, you can't live without it.
1: I splurge on fancy hotels and I'm trying to get better at it because what happens is when you start staying in these, any, you it's know, five hundred plus dollar rooms, you know, I've stayed in a, I went to Paris for uh, new year's Eve last year and I stayed at the Mandarin. Paris. It's like a thousand dollars a night. Oh my gosh. For like a week. Oh, <laughs> but Airbnb girl. I, I try, I, but this is, this is going to, the so money crew is going to kill me. I also paid for an Airbnb because I was going to stay in an air. I've got an Airbnb for the week for my cousin and her wife and her friends and and I got over there and I was like, I can't do this. I'm tired. I've worked all day. The heat was taking too long. And so <laughs> my guilty pleasure is I really like to check out. People. I was like, I, I, we were driving to the Airbnb and I saw the Mandarin and I was like, I'm going to go say hello to everyone. And I'm going to go check into the Mandarin. <laughs> Whoa. So I did that. That's my splurge. I'm getting better at it. I haven't done that, uh, but I, I I do. I love, like, there's this really fantastic place in Cancun called Nizuk, and I see you see beautiful. Like, I just, that feeling, mm-hmm. I love it. So yeah. I, I splurge on hotels. But now with the new house, I think I need to sit down. Maybe. <coughs> yeah. Maybe uh, nest a little bit. Yes. One thing I wish I had known about
0: money growing up is,
1: One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is that um, the more you have of it, the more access you have in life, you know, the more you care about it, like because I have more money, having more money gives me access to deals, gives me, you know, when I pay for like my car insurance, I pay it all at once, which gives me a discount, you know, when there's so much that happens for you when you have more. Mm-hmm. So if I you take know, care
0: of it, yeah. If you
1: take care of it, and you take care of, you know, people know that you care about money. You know, like the home loan, like that sort of thing. I, the bank treats you; they roll out the red carpet. I get a home loan; they're taking me to a tennis tournament. You know, like thank you. It's just which bank I'm, do you have? I need that bank. <laughs> I, bank at, I bank at a couple banks, but mainly Morgan Stanley. I love them. They gave you a mortgage. It doesn't like an investment bank, though, isn't it? Yeah, but <laughs> so that's the thing. It's an investment bank. But once you get your weight up over there, you find out that they do all kinds of stuff. Hmm. Yes. Money opens doors. Yes. Money gives
0: you access.
1: Yes. Um. All
0: right. When I donate money, we mm-hmm. talked about spending. Yeah. Let's talk about donations. When you donate money, I like to give to blank because...
1: I typically give. So I've given to St. Jude. My company actually raises money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I was invited. One of my CurlBox members works there. She raises funds for St. Jude, and she had her boss fly me out and give me a tour of the hospital. and And it blew my mind. The fact that if a parent finds out that their child has cancer and they're accepted to this hospital, the hospital pays for. There's housing, beautiful apartments that I got a chance to take a look at. They pay. They cover all of the treatment and I met a young lady who was gonna be there for two more years after I had met her. Oh my gosh. Um- And so it's that thing of like, if I, and it costs, I think they said a million, it's like a million dollars a day to run this hospital. And what I love mostly about it is that the owner, the person who started it had a dream. Like I wish that I could have a hospital that treated kids with cancer for free and it, and it's happening. And so we raised, um, almost $20,000 for them last year. And then I give money. If I have other friends and colleagues, like March of Dimes, I just went to a luncheon for them. And then, you know, I try to help. I mentor a lot of young women in their like twenties, and I give them. I give to them by way of experience. um, Trying to, I feel like I became successful because I was exposed. And so I try to expose them. Like I sent my minting in, my assistant to Croatia. You know, I try to, my assistant has been with me to Paris and Amsterdam. Like the more you see, the more I think you should begin to want in
0: life. And last but not least, I'm Miley Teal and I'm so money because.
1: Okay. This is the one that I really want to to do. You want to nail it. I want to nail it. Um, I'm my League till and I'm so money because I'm not emotional about, I'm not an emotional spender. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing that moves me. Like I will not do it. That's right. You walked yes. into that Chanel
0: store and you walked right out. Right back out. That no, takes, you. that takes strength. <laughs> that takes strength. With the money. <laughs> yeah. No, with the intention. You know. And mm-hmm. then reality kicked in and exactly. common sense kicked in. Nothing against people with Chanel bags. You know what? I'll, I'm going to be honest. I have a little Chanel wallet that I, I like wanted to go and buy the big bag and then I was like you know what this is ridiculous but I did buy myself a little um, crossover bag that I can it's really practical I can put like I, you know my credit cards in there my, my cash and things like that and i take i like polish it every night my leak you've been so much fun thank you so much for being so honest transparent congratulations on Curlbox and everything else the four-story townhouse thank hope you. you get to go on uh, that kick-ass vacation and retire yeah. early like you deserve it and find the man that appreciates you so thank you for all of that and we will be uh watching you okay thank you so much that is a wrap. Thanks so much to my guest, Myleek Teal, for joining us on So Money. If you'd like to learn more about Myleek, you can check out her site at MyTaughtU.com. She's on Twitter at Myleek. M-Y-L-E-I-K. Also on Instagram at MyLeak, M-Y-L-E-I-K. All of this information at SoMoneyPodcast.com, along with the transcript and comments from this interview and all previous interviews. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money or work or life or guests at SoMoneyPodcast.com. Click on the handy-dandy Ask podcast logo and there you can easily uh, be led to asking me a question. It goes right into my inbox and I typically answer questions the following Saturday and Sunday. On Ask Farnoosh. So do that. I would love to hear from you. And if you'd like a one-on-one with me, just a private session for fifteen minutes, I give away one a week uh, to one new reviewer on iTunes. So if you have yet to leave a review for this show, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a five-star review. I, I take the good with the bad, as long as it's honest and uh, fair. I, I pick one new reviewer every saturday at the top of the show to receive a free 15 minute money session with me so if this is something that you're curious about you that you want to maybe earn um that's the way to do it so hope to hear from you thanks in advance and i hope the rest of your day is so money